This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks for joining me for this conversation with Francesco Artuasco from Light the Torch. He's the guitarist and the group have a brand new album out. Now, if I was more organized, because I'm doing this introduction well after I've actually conducted the conversation, I'd be able to tell you what the name of the album is. But I can do that now because I'm looking in my iPhone and the emails and here it is. You will be The Death of Me. It's out right now. A killer album featuring Francesco's signature guitar work. So here he is, Francesco from Light the Torch. So this, uh, this new album, okay, uh, I've had a listen to it. I like it, but I'm, I'm a musician and I'm a fan of your guitar playing, it must be said. I do listen to albums with the musician's performance in mind, I must confess, far above and beyond what I'm listening to with regard to the vocals. Nothing against Howard at all. I think he's a phenomenal vocalist, but um, I think your performance on this one here might be your finest guitar performance to date. And uh, I was reading another interview that uh, was only recently conducted, actually, so it was in the last month or so that it was posted. But uh, I understand you you wrote this just on the back of the conversation about your health. You wrote this in stifling heat without air conditioning and you were battling yourself back into form, and we said, through chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned that they were the best songs when you're at your, probably your lowest ebb in those moments, that your greatest songs. So I've got to ask, does, through, through great suffering, does great music become? I, in a way, I, I kind of like, I see how this record kind of came from, from that, those kind of feelings. And, um, obviously AC is working now, but no, like, <laughs> literally that was crazy. I, I was like in between two tours came home and, uh, and it was like a brutal heat of LA in August and then the AC broke and then the, 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 a part of the building manager, you know, they was like, the, 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 we can't send anybody. It's like, everybody is busy with fixing ACs around town. So it's like, we'll, we'll have to wait. And at that time, like, seriously, I was like, I felt like it was borderline hallucinating between like the medication I was taking and just like my back hurting like so much. So you're just like trying to record but I have to take breaks like from, from my back, just even while I'm trying to, you know, press space bar. And like, it, it was kind of, kind of crazy, but honestly, even though, you know, that was like a really weird time for me, even more, I, I, I found that music was the one solution. I was literally like, if I didn't have a way to do something creatively and write music, I would have been so miserable, but actually I wasn't miserable because of the excitement of just working on the songs and just, and like I said, it's like, it's kind of weird that during that month I wrote three or four songs that were like mm. some of the best songs on the, on the record. And, uh, and I really, I, I talked about it with my therapist actually, how it's like, is it, is, is the struggling and suffering going to be necessary to write the next record? Because <laughs> like that happened naturally for this record, but is we, you know, when I'm going to have to, you know, I don't want to be back at just struggling and feeling unhealthy, you know, but in a way it's like, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I really became like my escape to, to feel decent, you know, just work on music. 
Yeah, it's an interesting point you raised there because I'll never forget when the great B.B. King said that no matter how much money he's got at, at the time he was being interviewed and he made this comment, no matter how comfortable he surrounds, whenever he picks up the guitar and he starts playing the blues, he's transported back to that time when he had bugger all when he was growing up. So it's almost like it's like an imprint where you can now access that no matter how salubrious and luxurious your current surroundings are. Yeah, that's I actually never heard of that, but that's a great, great of thinking and great way to approach music. I, I love that. I'll, I'll definitely keep that in mind. <laughs> did you did you try any techniques on on the guitar throughout this album that you've not used before? To use what? Any techniques? Oh, techniques. Uh, uh, I don't. No, if it's like in terms of actual guitar techniques, there's uh, things that are, I mean, I guess just things that I develop over the years that become, that are natural for me, kind of like, uh, I, I noticed how much like I have like riffs with the, you know, pull-offs with open strings in between that kind of like comes natural to me. And it's one of the things that like back in the days I would, try to practice and I was really finding kind of challenging. And I guess like I practice certain things more and now it's just, just happened naturally in the way I write some riffs. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like this time I think like I also, I was like thinking about like guitar, just like very like sonically what it could do as a color, as a texture. And uh, and so also experimenting with different type of tones even more than before, like uh, different pickups, different you know guitars for different parts, mm. and uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. It's like in a way it feels like in a, in a guitar way. I kind of like it. It could seem like I I took it easy in a way because it's not not like a lot of solos. There's not a lot of like. It's not like overall shredding, but I think like I was really was trying to just be tasteful, whatever I was doing, like try to be tasteful and, and fit with the music. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, over the years, like for somebody I used to like, you know, want to have solos and everything, do instrumental music and do all that. And, uh, and now I'm kind of like, I put solos when, if Howard is not writing a vocal part during the bridge, then I put solo. You know, I don't try to write a section. Oh, that's going to be the solo. And uh, and I don't know. It just like I guess it's like the way I feel about the song, like the song songwriting, and just like how a song flows to me. And it's like I really I I don't know. I'm having a hard time sometimes. Like nowadays, listening to music where the solo, for example, feels like really was like it feels like the guitar player is like hey guys can i put the solo there let's yeah, add a second i agree and yep so to me kind of like i have like i gotta be honest i have like solos from the past that i feel like wow i really wish i had not put that solo there it kind of like breaks the flow of that part of the song and uh but there are other solos that i'm really happy with i'm really proud of i i love the solo that i didn't sign your name for example mm -hmm. on the cover i like that one and it's like to me it's you know it's got the right ingredients of what i like to listen now 
Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to ask you that question, actually. Um, you're, you're a very capable guitarist in a capable band. You can pretty much cover anything you want, but I remember, I'm 43, so I remember that song when it first came out back in the late 80s. Terence Trent, Trent Darby and sign your name across my heart. So why did you guys pick that one to cover? Yeah, I mean, I I love that cover. For, sorry, I love the cover. I love the song. <laughs> it's such a good song. And um, obviously Howard's is like big fame, 80s pop also. And uh, he loves the song. And uh, we, we were not really planning to put a cover in this album. And then we were kind of like in between we were kind of uh, done with the pre-production first week of pre-production and uh, yeah, just randomly listening. I had a, like an eighties uh, playlist playing on Spotify. And uh, after, after we were done at the studio and I heard a song and right away, I kind of had, I had an idea. I was like, this is, I think this would sound great. Like rearranged for, with our sound. And then especially hearing Howard's voice over that chorus, you know, I, I thought like if we make this a big chorus, like big, powerful, huge voice, I think it would sound awesome. And uh, and then when I told Howard, he was like kind of surprised by the idea. Cause like, obviously it's like, you know, even if you think about the lyrics and everything's kind of like, you know, not really what we would normally do, but everything's like kind of like a, start clicking when I, I started working on the arrangement and then uh, show it to the guys and yeah it's and then and then when Howard recorded it in the studio it was like we were all like big smiles like this is awesome you might have tapped into something there because I, I think it works very well and it was a left turn that it's a left turn that from a listener's perspective I don't think many people would expect and I, dare I say it a lot of your fan base wouldn't even have a clue Terence Trent Darby is probably so they might even they might even think it's an original tune unless they're yeah. reading the, the bio or what have you but it does hint at something broader which is that it almost opens up a new lane for you guys more melodic music in that vein especially with Howard's it's Howard's got a very soulful voice as you know there's not really any other person singing like he does in hard rock yeah. and heavy metal particularly heavy metal like what you guys are doing so have you talked about or even thought about doing more music in that vein, but originals? Well, um, I think in a way we do have songs in the, in that vein on this record, I think like, or, or even if it's not like maybe an entire song, but there are sections that mm. kind of are in that vein with like, um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's definitely like, to me personally, it's the kind of, uh, territory that I want to explore more and more, you know, just like I'm just more and more, I I'm attracted by like well-written songs. So I kind of find like, it almost doesn't matter what style it is. If I hear a song that is like, I feel like that's mastery in, 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 in the writing the arrangements. I, I find it very interesting that that's me. It's like, it's become the main challenge with writing. Like, work on those elements, you know? And, uh, and so I definitely, I like to have music also that leaves a lot of, you know, it is where there's a lot of space, you know, when there's like, things are not too busy all the time or like, and, uh, yeah. So I think like that cover, it's kind of like a, the perfect sound for what we, we kind of like, and that could 
possibly be like more of an evolution. What we're going to do moving on, moving forward. Uh, oh, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. It's a, uh, I think personally, I think it really fits because it sounds like a song written together with the other ones in a way. It does. Yeah. I agree. Totally. Yeah. I know. I, I, I of course I read the bio, but, when I listen to the song, of course, for the first minute or two, it sounds like one of your songs. It doesn't sound like the cover at all. And that's what I like about it, actually, is that you haven't actually tried to recreate the tune as Terence did. Because yeah. in my opinion, that's impossible. It's already been done once. But if you, I like to use this word, reimagine the tune. And it's there's a lot of bands these days that are coming out with whole albums of covers, you might have seen, mm -hmm. where they're doing something similar. And fans love it. And this... Bloody day and age. I'm not a fan of it, but it is what it is. Spotify. But, I mean, you you might find that this is the, the breakout song on the album, just the way people are listening to things. And you've got to have your marketing hat on as well, even if you're in, in an extreme metal band or a heavy metal band. Otherwise, you, you lose rele relevance from a commercial yeah. perspective. And you, you always want to be in a position, I think, when you are as gifted a musician as what you are and what the rest of the band are to actually have an audience for your music as well. So, you know, uh, it's it's a smart move. It's a great song. And I think it hints at some of the broader opportunities that are um, that lie ahead for you guys. So, but um, look, I'll change tact. I want to, I want to talk about the drumming situation um, in the band because with every great band, there is an Achilles heel. You know, Led Zeppelin had their drug use, and for you guys, it seems to be the drumming, the drumming stool. Who's on the drumming stool? But I've, I've never felt with you guys that it affects the quality of the music. You selected drummers that, at, at the time that fit what you're trying to do very well. Um, but is there a possibility that Alex from Whitechapel will join the band full time, or is it just is it just a session that you brought him in for? Well, as of right now, I mean, as you might know, he's Whitechapel's guy, so he's like that's his. That's his band. So the it's I mean honestly, like I love his playing and and then to me already having him record mm. was like a big thing. I, that's really the the drummer or the style that I really wanted. And then and that's to me it's like that's the other thing. It's like I kind of like for now, because we haven't found the perfect guy who's who is available yet. And uh, until then, I kind of like the idea of I'm hiring the perfect guy for the record, you know, mm. and then the record will, will be there forever, right? Once you record it, that's the record. And then for touring, you obviously need somebody who's going to be able to perform somewhat like on the record, right? So in this case, we we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because like playing like Alex, it's not not many people can. Yeah, but, but even <laughs> so the, and I, I love like the reason why I really wanted to have Alex on the record is because you can tell even though it's like probably he's more known for like the more extreme type of playing metal and like really fast stuff. You can tell that the control of dynamics, the musicality, the phrasing that he has is like it's perfect for this kind of music. And and then in a way, it's like the approach. You know when you when you think about artists like, I don't know, Sting, Elton John, Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. they had different drummers pretty much on every record, you know, and they have, sometimes they have a drummer that plays on the record. They have a drummer that plays live. So in a way, I'm kind of seeing this band as like, so far, we kind of taking that approach, you know, it's like, 
like obviously like it'll be great to find a great guy who's not tr- trying to s- screw us over yeah. as a band mm-hmm. who's yeah. also like amazing recording musicalities understands the writing and then he's just great at playing live you know if we if we had that absolutely but yeah for now it's kind of like the the drummer situation is always kind of a a thing but I'm, I'm not even too stressed out about it because like there are a lot of session drummers who are amazing you know and then and then to me it's kind of important at this point i think us as a band the three of us we kind of have an idea of what we want the, the record to be and we kind of have like a, a goal like when we started a record and i don't really want to have like at the moment a drummer who's gonna come and try to bring a style that is not fitting or, or there's just going to be, it might not really work with the. Or is is an asshole on tour either. That's the other thing. That's the big thing. Yeah. And I, and I think like in a way, when you are hiring somebody to, to do a record, he literally is coming there and he's not expected to just have like big opinions about, Hey guys, why don't we change this? You know, because it's not really his band. It's kind of like, hey, come here to do what you're supposed to, right? And uh, so I, I don't know. So far, I'm kind of like, I don't mind not having a drummer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but like I said, I absolutely love Alex. Working with Alex in the studio. I mean, him and I text pretty much every day. And he's like, is a good friend, and he knows if he was available, I'd be the first guy I would call. You know, I just respect mm. that he's got commitments and he's been in Whitechapel for a while and that's what he's doing. That's what he's, he's going to be doing. But, but yeah, if, if there were two Alexes, like if there's like clone Alex, I would hire that. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. Well, you've, you've had to fight some tough battles throughout your career. No doubt about that with uh, lawsuits and uh, ex-bandmates and all of that sort of stuff. And I can understand, I can completely understand the reluctance to try to wedge somebody into the band who might be a musical fit but wouldn't be a fit in the personality side or vice versa because it's just yeah. too hard. And, and, and God, in, in oh, my man, 43... After, so before that, you know, I was in Osha Parish and yeah. the stuff, that, the way it happened with Osha Parish with the drummer the lawsuit and all that stuff. Then devil, you know, and then changing the name and all that stuff. Seriously, who's going to think like, I'm going to find a drummer like, yeah, yeah, join the band. It's like, <laughs> yes. like almost throwing my career, our careers multiple times, like dealing with the wrong personality and the wrong person. Just like, you know, you get, I, I think at this point we're like, so, you know, it's like we've done this for so long that we kind of understand like, Let's just be, you know, take our time. Whenever we're going to find the guy, that'll be the guy. Great. Do you think, you've got to ask then, because I've, I've had these experiences too, people take advantage of you when you're a nice guy, when you're not an asshole, when you are somebody yeah. that invests trust in people. Like, you know, trust is not earned. It's flipped. Trust is there to be lost. Because I've now changed. I've now, like, trust is there to be earned. I've been screwed over a couple of times with by people financially and, and personally. Do, do you think that because yourself and Howard are so easy to get along with and you're nice guys, do you think people saw that as a weakness? You know what I mean when I say that? Cause I feel that um, same way about myself. I actually, I don't think 
that happens when people meet us and we are in the work environment. Cause we're like, they understand we're nice guys, but when we, when it's, it's a matter of work, there's no being like, you know, you, you messed up, you, you, you know, you, yeah. you really need something. It's like, you know, it's not going to be like, and that's why honestly also we, we fired a bunch of guys <laughs> because like, you know, even, even I'm talking about even crew, you know, people like, you know, like tour managers and merch people, like all that stuff. Like we're not really like, I think like to me, at least this is how I feel. Like I've, I've been doing this for, for such a long time that the, the things that I would have accepted when I was like in my twenties, you know, like promoters being rude or, or certain things I would have been okay back then kind of like thinking, well, I guess this is the music game. Now I don't, I don't, I don't take that stuff anymore. And then Howard's the same, like, and Ryan's the same. So it's kind of like, it's either our way or, you know, see you later. Yeah, I'm with you on that one there. And that does come with age because you realize that some people are just, they're just self-involved pricks. And you, and making excuses for people seems to just empower them. And and I, I, I talk to my wife about this sort of stuff quite a bit, you know, uh, just with the run of stuff that we've just been through. Um, it's like um, you've almost got to, when you first meet people or a business engagement or what have you, you've almost got to set the expectations from the minute you first meet them if there's a transaction that's going to occur. So, so yeah. there's an understanding about what these things look like. And, and I hate to say, you've got to get contracts for everything. Handshakes and verbal agreements aren't worth a goddamned. They're just not worth a goddamned. And I, I can't stand that that we live in a world like that, but we but we do. And and I, and I guess that sort of hints at another point back on the music, though. But um, look, Hiss of Atrocities are one of those bands that get quite a hit on YouTube still. So do you get hit up by fans of the band asking if potentially that band will come back to life at some point? Uh, no, not really, actually. I, I know the... The other guitar player sometimes does. Roy gets hit by some people like, hey, you guys should do something. But I mean, it's been such a long time and uh, it really does feel like a different life. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was like back then when it was like fun to write music without really thinking like, I, I remember like a lot of, I mean, obviously when you're like doing, you know, a lot of screaming and stuff like that, you kind of like, write things differently but back then it was fun to just write songs that could be like 10 minute long song and there's just all kinds of parts and it's like every song feels like a journey you know just like and kind of like you know go with the with whatever like and, and i also what's crazy that back then we were literally everything we were writing we were like jamming so we would write songs together in there like in the we live together so those are our living room and our mm. living room was like the practice space. And we'd like spend an entire day just like jamming. And then after days and days of like trying, working on songs. So it's kind of crazy like to write songs like that, like just actual like practicing. And nowadays it's kind of like, as you, you know, like everybody knows, like most people write their songs at, on their own or something like that. And then they, they go practice or some, most of the times, like you don't even get to play the songs as a band before you record them. Yeah, you get to yeah. play the songs for the first time after you've recorded the songs. 
I, I interviewed a band the other day and the members have never met each other. They've only communicated over yeah. text because that's the world we live in these days. They go, oh, well, you've appeared on this album, you have this vocal style and you were in this band and you had this album and you have this guitar tone and this guitar style. That's perfect. Let's just send each other a message and exchange files from the cloud and away we go. And somebody just takes on the role of master producer, if you like, or the George Martin role, if you like, as I like to call it. But that's the world we live in these days, isn't it? It's uh, hyper-connected no matter where you are in the world these days. I mean, in maybe, maybe um, you know, if the technology was five to ten years uh, earlier than what it is now for you might have been able to stay in Italy for example rather than jetting across to Los Angeles true 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 how did you find settling into America having come from Italy uh well I mean it was many years of adjusting like at this point I lived in the states for almost half my life hmm. and uh but when when it came I really like came from like a family where everything like it just was all love and feeling protected and feeling like, you know, and all of a sudden like you're on your own in the first I was like in Boston and then still a pretty big city compared to what I was used to. Hmm. And, uh, but at least I, at that time I was just going to school, you know, so it's kind of like you go to school. I lived near the school. Just that's easy. It's an easy life. I'm going to study music, which is like what I like to do. That's easy. When I moved to LA after, that was like brutal. Like the first two, three years were just, you know, really, really hard. Like figuring out also because like as an international, uh, like from being a student, you know, you get a visa after you graduate, you have a visa for one year. And in that one year, you got to try to find a work with, with the, and it needs to be related to your degree. So it's not mm -hmm. that I could just, oh, I, I need money. I'm going to go to work at McDonald's. You can't. It's like, you got to do music. And it's like, okay, become professionally, you know, just, you know, like live in America and have a contract with the music. What? It's like, it's the hardest thing in the world. So that was just like years of just stressing out about like even being able to stay in the country, you know? So it's a... Uh, but, you know, it was all worth it. It's like, this is where all the good stuff happened. So it's, uh, yeah. So there you have it. Wanted to let Francesco have the last word there on his odyssey from Italy to the United States. Francesco Aruasco, of course, is the guitarist in Light the Torch and some of those other bands that I mentioned throughout the conversation. If you like what you just heard, go across to scarsandguitars.com. I'm launching a new website soon, so you can find everything and anything you might like a lot easier because God knows I've done well over 550 interviews and there's got to be a handful, if not much, much more in regard to artists and musicians who you'd want to hear from. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. It's goodbye until next time.